Good morning, everyone. I hope y'all are doing well. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd, and I'm the lead pastor. I'm really glad that you're here today as uh, we continue in our series that we have entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? Don't you love that? Dripping with sarcasm. All right. Anyway, I'm glad that you're here today. If you have your Bibles, you can own, or turn to Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 2. We'll also be in Philippians and Matthew uh, a few minutes uh, later, but uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I don't know about you. It's been a week. Uh, for the Cullen family, for sure. Um, we, uh, Cynthia's uh, dad, we had his celebration of life on uh, Saturday, excuse me, on Friday, and just got back early yesterday morning. And, uh, of course, we had Sean Tracy's celebration of life here this week. And uh, I was thinking as we sang the last stanza of that song, the last few phrases of that song, that they're in glory now, and they are seeing Jesus' face. And what a great thing. What a great thing that we have salvation in him. But we also have certain blessings that come from him. And a lot of you came in today and you're like, yeah, I'm not seeing those this week. So why don't we pray and ask for God to speak to us individually this week, wherever we may have come in with, wherever we may, are, wherever we may be right now, whatever we may have come in with this week. So would you join me in a word of prayer? God, we thank you so much for what we just sang about. We thank you so much. God, that those of us who are here today, um, who call ourselves Christ followers, who believe in your Son for salvation, that when we come to the end of our time, or when the end of time comes, whichever comes first, God, that when we no longer see, exist in this body, um, we get to see your face because of what you did on the cross. And we thank you so much for what we just sang about. We thank you so much for the gift of salvation. And God, I pray for everyone in this room, regardless of what they were facing in the moments they walked into this room, in the moments before, in the hours before, in the days before. God, I pray that you would speak to them individually right now, that your Holy Spirit would um, touch them, pierce their hearts, pierce all of our hearts. And God, may you reveal yourself in a specific and significant and special way to each one of us today as we study your word. God, may we be vulnerable to you. May we listen, not just with our ears, but with our hearts. And may we have understanding that comes from you, not with just our minds, but also with our hearts. Would you lead us and be with us today? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As I mentioned, we're in this series, Who Do You Think You Are? And we, we uh, are, are talking about what it means to be a Christian, finding identity in who you are as a Christ follower. And so for those of you who are here today and you are Christ followers, some of you um, may have understood this from years ago, months ago. Some of you may, this has never really been talked about much in your faith upbringing. For some of you, this is like old hat. You got this down and it's awesome. And for others, you walked in here today and you really have no idea what we're talking about. And my prayer uh, for you is, is that God would lead you to a place where you would trust in Jesus to be your Savior so that you can find out who you really are. Hey, let's face it. That's a question. That's a, a situation or a circumstance that all of humanity for all of humanity has dealt with at some point in time. Am I right? 
We really struggle with understanding who we are as people, as, uh, you know, as, as maybe you know, people who work for a specific organization or parent a specific group of kids or are married to a specific spouse or part of a specific, specific community. We struggle with understanding who we are. And even as Christians, we have to like, have the reality and admit that we struggle sometimes with understanding who we are in Christ. And theologians call this our position in Christ determines like how we are going to behave and so and, and how we're going to act. And, and, and so often we think of behavior as a Christ follower as a requirement for salvation or at the very least a discipline that's required because of you know, our religion, quote unquote. But really our behavior should be a response to those things that God gives us as Christ followers. In fact, it's interesting because if you read the Bible, you'll find out that you and I are clearly not defined by what we have. However, we are defined as Christians by what God has given us, and he's given us so much. He's given us so much. In week one, we talked about the fact that um, we are all given a family. We're loved and we're accepted because we're adopted into the family of God. And that because of that, that we ought to act in a manner worthy of being a part of the family of God. That no longer do we have to live by a list of rules, but there are house rules in the family of God. You know what I'm talking about if your parents had house rules. And last week, thank you, Todd Cooper, for standing in for me when we were uh, with Cynthia's family in Atlanta uh, and and he stood in for me, and we talked that week about how we are given a home in heaven that is permanent, that is secure, and if we are Christ followers who understand that we can't lose our salvation, we can't lose our ultimate home in heaven with God one day when we die, that we ought to act like secure people, that we ought to be people who take the freedom that God's given us and not use it as a license to sin and not use it in a legalistic way, but we should take the freedom God's given us and use it for his glory and for furthering his kingdom. And so today we come to this idea of purpose, and I'm so excited about this series that we added one for next week, okay? So we'll continue in this theme next week. But today we come and we talk about the fact that I have a purpose, and that because I have a purpose, I am significant. And because I'm significant and because I have a purpose, I can find that purpose and I can help and I can use it for help growing God's kingdom. In fact, here's a statement I want you to remember today. I am a significant part of what God is doing and I'm created for a specific purpose. The Apostle Paul speaks of this, the one who wrote most of the the New Testament, which is interesting. I want you to gather this from the story of his life because, you see, Paul was one who um, really had to find his identity in Christ because his previous life was one of killing Christians. His name was Saul, and he was the one who signed off on the killing of Christians in the first century. Uh, Because these Christians, these people who were Jesus followers were turning the Roman world upside down and they were turning the Jewish religion upside down and something had to be done. And what was done was Christians were killed in the first century and Paul was the one who often kind of gave his stamp of approval as a leader. And so he was on his way to sign off on more Christians being killed and God got his attention on uh, the road to Damascus and and in a remarkable, miraculous way really got his attention. And so he had to very quickly understand some of the words that then he went on to write about, which is including what we're going to be looking at today. He understood this. 
And I love this passage, Ephesians 2, and in fact, in a few, after Easter uh, in uh, May, we're going to be studying the whole book of Ephesians. We're going to be going chapter by chapter through Ephesians, so we're going to hit this again in a few weeks. But Ephesians 2 is kind of a flagship, like, foundational chapter in all of Scripture because Paul writes and he basically says that we are not saved by works, but we're saved by our faith and our belief in the grace that God offered through his son, Jesus. And he says that in the verses leading up to this verse, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, which, uh, amazingly enough, for my father-in-law, Phil, they were his favorite verses in all of Scripture. And I got to share that at his uh, celebration of his life this past Friday, that we're saved by faith and not by works. And he was a man who completely understood that. So much so that he would tell others, he understood his purpose, and he would tell others about Jesus everywhere he went. And so we have Paul here who writes that, and then on the tail end of describing what what salvation is really about, that it's not about works, that it's about faith in Christ, he writes this verse that's so incredibly important in verse 10. He says this, for we are his, and the next word he uses there in verse 10 is workmanship. We are his, say that with me, the next word with me, we are his workmanship. He says, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I want to break this up into four sections because if you take this one verse that I think is so incredibly important about us finding who we are and our purpose in God's master plan for what he's doing with humanity, I think it's incredibly important. So we're going to take it kind of in four sections. So the first section is just that first phrase. He says this. He says, for we are his workmanship. And I love that word, and if you look at the original Greek language, the word that Paul was using there specifically was a word poema or poemia, which where do you, what English word do you think we receive from that Greek word? Poem. Poem. I want you to capture this. We are God's work of art. Each one of us created by the master creator. We each are God's work of art created by the master creator. Isn't that incredible? When you stop and think about that Paul, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, used that word to describe what God was doing. Now, I'm not an artist by any stretch of the imagination. My family says that my art is cooking, and I receive that, and I accept that, and that's cool. But I'm not an artist, but um, my wife, as you know, is an artist. So because my wife is an art artist, guess what I like? Art, okay? So that's because I'm married to an artist, and so I thought it would be good for my marriage and my health as a human being to like art. And so I learned to like art as time went on in our marriage. We've been married 22 years this year. And she's also learned to like sports. Thank you, honey, for liking sports. So anyway, so that's, that's you know, something that uh, like we, we you know, realize that if we are going to have a good, healthy relationship, we got to like something of the other. Um, but anyway, so she likes sports. I like art. And when we lived in New York City for a few years, um, she would take us to museums, and she would take us to galleries. And uh, one of the things that I learned about art through the years from my wife is, is that you can learn a lot about the creator of the art through finding out about the art and through the, through the work of art. 
And you see, it's the same thing with us. Here's what I want you to capture. If you're a Christ follower in here today is, is that since you are a poemia, poema, that you are a workmanship, that you are this great piece of art created by the master creator, others, listen to this, others will learn something of God from your life. Others will learn something of the creator by how you live your life. And therein kind of lies a challenge, doesn't it? Because what are people learning about God through our life? What are people learning about the, the, the creator of heaven and earth through my life and through how I live my life, through this specific work of art? It's an excellent question to ask when we're really considering not just our purpose in life, but how we operate in life. And so he begins by saying that we are his workmanship, but he doesn't stop there. The second phrase of the second section says that we are created in Christ Jesus for good work. And this kind of beckons back or kind of reflects back to, to Genesis where God created man, created humanity in his image. And since God is three in one, since it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, when Paul's writing here that we were created in Christ Jesus for good work, that means that we are truly a reflection of him. And again, it kind of reflects back to the first phrase, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Listen, you and I are created in the image of God. And so we are a reflection of God because we are a piece of art created by the master creator. We also are a reflection directly of who he is. Section 3 says this, or the next part says that which God prepared beforehand. See, you were created with a specific purpose thought about by the creator beforehand. So not only are you a work of art, but you are an intentionally created work of art. You are a work of art that was thought through. That had purpose from the beginning, even before you were created. David says that God formed me, formed me before even I was born. He knew every part of me. And then the last part, I believe, is our response. Because Paul says not only are we his workmanship, and not only were we created in Christ Jesus, not only for good works, not only that we were prepared before him, but he says here that we should walk in them, and them refers to the good works. Now listen, I think here's what Paul is trying to communicate to the church in Ephesus, but also to us in 2016. He's trying to communicate and, 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 and drive home this idea that we were created by God for his purpose as a work of art, as someone who's to be used by him for his purpose. But in that last phrase is the challenge for you and me. And essentially, I believe what he's saying is he saying that we should walk in the good works that we were created for. We are not meant to say one thing to the world and do another thing with our lives. What we do in private matters. What we do when we're by ourselves and just with our family matters. The backstage and the front stage should align because we are a work of the master creator. And so our response should be 
really us asking the question, and I, I'm just going to admit to you, I have to ask this question a lot. Is, is my, the way I'm living my life consistent with the one who made me? Is the way that I'm behaving consistent with the one who made me? Is the way that I'm responding consistent with the one who made me? When you begin to ask those questions, I think you begin to really, truly refine what our purpose is and how we were created. Here's the bottom line for this point. See, I know that I have a purpose because, first and foremost, I'm a unique part of God's creation plan. I know I have a purpose because I'm a unique part of God's creation plan. But I also know that I have a purpose because I'm a reflection of who God is. And I also know that I have a purpose because I was created for God's work. And then it's interesting because Paul writes that message to the church at Ephesus in the first century, but he also writes a a letter or a, a, a book, as we call it today, to the church in Philippi. And he says this at the beginning of Philippians, in Philippians 1, 6. He says, I, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to the completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This was when I was a, a teenager and really growing in my faith. Uh, when I realized that God had a purpose for me, this became my life verse and still is to this day. That what he started, he will continue. And I think that's good news for those of you who get this, for those of you who are in line with the Creator in terms of your life and your lifestyle and how you act, but those of you who may not be right now, or those of you who may have a story that you've gone through a lot of struggles to realize that God is going to use what you're doing now, what you're going through now, what you've gone through in the past. He is going to use it for His purpose if you will allow Him to do that. He is going to complete it if you allow him to do that. And so we find our purpose in life when we discover how deeply valued we are as a significant contributor towards God's kingdom work. We really, truly do find our purpose when you and I discover how deeply valued we are as a significant contributor to God's kingdom work. Listen, I I want you to hear this. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. The world is going to tell you you have to change. The world is going to tell you that you're not good enough. The world is going to tell you, those of you who are in here and you're retired and you're, you're, you know, most of your life is behind you than is in front of you, the world is going to tell you you're done, you can kick your feet back. If you're in high school or middle school or in elementary school, the world is going to tell you that you're not going to measure up one day when you disappoint a boss or a parent or a spouse. And the world is going to tell you these things that is completely the opposite of what God's word tells you. And that is is that you are a valuable creation. And that you were created for God in his image and for his purpose. The world is going to tell you that you have to change everything about you because the world screams that we're not good enough as we are. Am I right? But God says we are, doesn't he? He says that we are. He says that we are exactly enough and good enough. And we're good enough to be used by him for a purpose exactly as we are have been created. And our response from that 
should be that we are created for a purpose and we should find out then what that purpose is. We should seek with our lives to find out what we are supposed to be used for, what that means, what that thing is that God has for us. But I think that sometimes we may not understand that, um, we may understand that God has a purpose for us and that we're created by him, but I think that maybe sometimes what we, we fail to, to recognize is that, that like God not only has a purpose for us and God not only has created us, but God has given us a tremendous amount of potential. We just need to find out what that potential thing is and we need to allow God to ignite it to be used for him. Jesus tells us great stories. He often did. He often used stories to drive home a point or a principle, and he does in Matthew. Um, we see it here in Matthew 25 when he gives us, tells us the story, uh, the, the, the parable of the talents. And, and I love this because he's, he's trying to drive home this idea that we need to like use to its fullest potential all of those gifts that God has given us. Check out what he does here in verses 14 through 30. He tells a story. It's a great story. We all kind of like connect with stories better than we do with principles. And we understand the principles because of stories. Check out verse 14. He says this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his own ability, then he went away. Now let me stop right there for a second. I think before we even get to the meat of the story, we see here that Jesus hands out five talents to one servant. He hands out in the story, he, hands, he does this. He hands out five talents to one. He hands out, there the master does. He hands out two to another, and he hands out one to another. And I think that one of the things that we as people need to realize when it comes to understanding who we are and our purpose, we need to understand that God is going to give us what God believes, what God knows that we can do. He's not going to give us the job of someone else. He's not going to expect from us more than he knows that we can do for him. But he also isn't going to expect us to fall short of that. I think sometimes we get into this comparison game. These servants were fine with the gifts that God gave them. To one he gave five, to another he gave two, and the other he gave one. And I love how we don't read here that, like, someone went to court and tried to, like, decide that, like, the master should have given him five or two. Or the other guy that got one kind of, you know, he really got kind of left out in the dark here. They accepted what the master had given him. I think we need to do the same. Okay. I'm off my soapbox on that. Okay, verse 15 or verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and he traded them with them. And he made five talents more. Verse 17, so also he had, uh, had the two talents. He made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went, and he dug it in the ground, and he hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came, and he settled the accounts with them. And he, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying this, Master, you delivered for me five talents here. I made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to say those two important words with me. He said, say them with me, well done, well done. He was pleased with the servant that he had given five talents to because he had brought back five more. 
He said, well done, good and faithful servant. That, mass, that servant had taken five talents, and the, the energy and the talents didn't remain potential. He allowed them to be used and produce five more. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. He says, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. Verse 23, his master said to him, say it with me again, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the master. And here's where the story turns. And most of you know the rest of the story, but let's read it. See what God has for us today. Verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was, what's that next word you can say it with me? Afraid. I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. And so the master that received one talent put it in the ground out of fear and potential became wasted. Potential was unused. He didn't produce another talent. He didn't go and multiply the talent. He came back with the same amount. And so potential had been wasted. Verse 27. So then you ought to have interest with my money, he says. Excuse me, verse 26. But his master answered him and said, you wicked and slothful servant. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you say that out loud. Okay, all right. You, knew, you know that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, a lot of you, when you have maybe read this or heard this before, thought it was about money, and it is about money for sure. It's dealing with money. It's dealing with a talent, a coin. But this is about potential, I believe. I think this is about money, about time, about talent, like how God has made you, about those gifts that God has given you and given me, and what are we doing with them for his purpose. And I think it's really interesting that the one who buried the one talent buried it because he was afraid, because he understood that the master might be pleased with him bringing back the one, because he went and he reaped where there was no seed and he was the one who was bold enough. The master was a bold master. and He even says hard master. And so he thought he would be pleased, the master would be pleased with him by bringing back the one. And so he brings back the one and the master's like, no, it's not, I'm pleased at all with you. We've all been there where we thought that we were going to please someone. 
And it didn't work out so well for us. And here's why it didn't work out for that one servant. Because he was not working in a consistent way with who the master was. And it's the same thing with you and with me when we don't realize fully that we were created for God's purpose. When we, we maybe kind of like, you know, just kind of scoop by in our lives using all, of, all the talents that God's given us just for us and our family, but we never really fully like use it for God. I think our God is a bold, not harsh, but bold God. And I think that he does expect his people to find their purpose and to go out there and multiply and take that potential and see it be fully utilized for God. See, potential in our lives is going to be either wasted or it's going to be pent up, ready to be used. That's where some of you may be right now. Or it's going to be fully utilized for God's work. And when we enter the kingdom of God, when it's fully utilized, he's going to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we get to walk in the joy of the master. I love that. Part of my growing up was in um, Orlando. And when you're a kid growing up in Orlando, you really learn a lot about the space shuttle and NASA and all this stuff. And I was a little bit of a geek back then. I'm not at all anymore, but I was back then a little bit. And uh, I always went out and watched the space shuttle launch off that pad. And it's amazing to think about that something that heavy, that that space shuttle with that big giant red, they painted it red after the first few flights back in the early 80s. They painted it red. It's full. It's full of liquid fuel. And the space shuttle that's built out of all this like metal and aluminum and even there's some foam in there that's a little bit lighter. But that, that, you know, that external tank is heavy, heavy, heavy. And then on the sides of it and then you know, are, the, are those, two, um, those two solid rocket boosters that are made of extraordinarily heavy solid rocket fuel. And inside the space shuttle goes all these satellites and equipment. And somehow we have figured out how to launch that thing with gravity through the gravitational pull of the earth out into to low earth orbit. It's amazing to think about. And the thrust on those solid rocket uh, boosters are absolutely huge. It's massive to be able to get that much weight out into space. But you know what begins the process? is an ignition. At some point in time, Someone somewhere, or a computer somewhere, I don't know which, presses a button, and those solid rocket boosters are lit up. And all of a sudden, that whole thing launches off the pad. And millions and millions of pounds of thrust are pushed against the earth, and it goes off up into space. See, some of you are, are just like going through life, and you're a Christ follower. And you know that you're created by God. You know you have a purpose. But man, you're just, you're just kind of waiting. Maybe God will use me. He might not. I want to use my talents really for, for my own business and my success and my, you know, my family. I want to keep that. I mean, that's, that's unused potential. I want to do it for me. I want to do it for my fame and my glory. 
and what I want, unused potential. My prayer is, is that you and I, we would discover that in our lives, we end up wasting our potential, letting it just sit there on the launch pad forever and ever and ever. It's pent up, it's ready to be used, or perhaps you're someone who you've seen it fully utilized. And the question I want to leave you with today is how are you using your potential? Who do you think you are? You're someone who's been given a specific purpose. You're someone who is a work of art, created by the master artist for a purpose. And if you're a Christ follower in here, that purpose somehow gels in with his plan and his kingdom work. Our job is to find out what that is and to get involved with it. I realize you may be here and you may say, you know, Todd, I'm, man, I'm well into my life. I've got a great career. You know, my, my family has a great family. We've got a great place to live. And um, all this stuff really doesn't apply to me because I'm not young. I beg to differ because you and I at 40-something and beyond, we can buy into the lie just as much as students can, can't we? That we're not enough. God has a plan for each one of you, whether you're 8 or 48 or 88. He's got a plan for your life. Who do we think we are? We're people with a purpose. Let's find out what that is and let's use it for him. Father God, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for the ability um, to be people who your desire is for us to be used by you, for you. That there is something a little bit greater than just whatever it is that we are purposed for right now. And yes, it's good that we're growing our business. Yes, it's good that we're getting through our, our academics and, and school. And yes, it's good that we have that, um, that thing that we're really good at, that, uh, um, that sport that we're excelling in. Yes, it's so good that we're raising a family. Yes, it's good that we're a part of this community. But God, I pray that you would help each one of us, myself included, to find out what that specific purpose is wherever we are. It doesn't mean that we have to get on a plane tomorrow and fly for the rest of our lives to, to Africa or Europe or over some other place on the other side of the earth to be used by you, God. It means that we can find out more about who you are and what our purpose is right where we are right now. God, I pray that even with our lives, um, that they would be consistent and aligned with who you are. And God, I pray that you would, even right now, just be with those who are already Christ followers here, who Maybe right now, there's been a few moments of conviction today that uh, how they act and how they behave and, and what they're doing with their life is not really in alignment with the one who created them. And God, I pray that you would help all of us, because we all have times that happens, to realign ourselves with the master creator, with the master artist. 
God, I pray that we would realign ourselves with you and that we would get to know you better, that we would get to know you. You're such a great shepherd, and you're such a great savior, and you're such a great father. And I pray that each one of us in here would get to know you a little bit better and find out how good you are, find our purpose as a result. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.